morning, everybody. Welcome to our Sunday morning session here at the Digital Cathedral. Glad you're with me from wherever you're viewing from around the country, actually around the world. This is uh, going to shut down or this is going to end our six-part series that we've been doing on I Am a Creator or You Can Create. There's several different names we could call it, but the whole emphasis of this six-part series has been to bring us into the dimension, into the place when we at least begin to consider that we can create the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. Um, let me just say a couple things before I finish up this morning, and I want to take a good strong overview of this whole process again to embed it within you. So don't click me off. Make sure you watch this whole teaching. I want you to begin to put this, this whole series to the test. Now, just because this is the last teaching in this six-part series does not mean that we're going to uh, jump off board or give up on this or move to something else without emphasizing this. We're going to continue to develop and unveil our ability as I am to co-create with I am that I am. I want to say just a couple of things before I get into the lesson this morning, maybe more than a couple of things, but I want, to, I, want, I want to emphasize two things to you this morning that I think are extremely important. First of all, I've presented this as a process. I've given you um, some definite beginning points and ending points that you can um, mark as you create. Now, what I want to say, first of all, is don't rush the process. Take your time. Take your time with the process. I know that we live in a microwave generation, but you know me, I'm Pastor Crockpot. I like to slow cook everything. When I see new revelation, when I hear new teaching, I don't microwave it, I crockpot it. I think about it, I meditate on it, I explore it, I listen to the voice that is within. So don't rush this. I know that you're gonna, you're, you're gonna wanna create something in a day. It doesn't work that way. Uh, even a, a baby takes nine months and a mother, when she finds out she's pregnant at say eight weeks, she may want the baby to be born next month, but it's not going to get born next month. It's going to take a full gestation period of nine months. So don't rush the process. Take your time with each phase of the creative process. Second thing I want to say is this. Don't wait until you're in a big dilemma or problem to begin to create. It's much more difficult to create wellness when you're in the throes of sickness than it is to walk in divine health, to create the health ahead of time. It's a lot easier to create streams of income and abundance when you're not stone cold broke, when a checkbook is not reading zero. And there's a, there's a number of reasons for that. I think one of the biggest reasons is because we, we have undue emotional pressure on us when we're in a situation where we have to produce. This is not given to you as a, a microwave, let's get this done this morning so that we can enjoy it tomorrow afternoon. This is a creative process. I mean, let's face it, it took God six days, whether they were 24-hour days, uh, 1,000 years, 10,000 years each day. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. The point is he, he did the part on day one, day two, day three, and he went through, we've mapped time after time, this creative process, and I hit it again this morning, the creative process that the Father went through. So this revelation, what I'm saying to you is this, this is just the beginning. I'm not claiming to be an expert on this right now, although I have successfully been creating now for some time, and I've passed to you the things that I have noticed that have aided in the creative ability. But we're just beginning in this. I don't have a PhD in being a creator. 
Uh, I'm on my way to a bachelor's degree, however, and I think that together on this journey, we can uncover some things that are extremely beneficial in helping us to develop the life that we desire. I don't think God wants you to live below the life that he really wants you to live, do you? So if he's made it available to us, if it's true what Peter said, that everything has already been given to us for life and godliness, and we've already explored the idea that everything is in a unseen realm, so what we're doing by creating is moving from an unseen realm to the seen realm. That's why I call it co-creating. He's already done his part in the unseen realm. Now our part is to walk through a creative process, leave the gestation period to him, and it will manifest. I will assure you of that. So what I'm saying is put this series to the test. Begin to develop it. Begin to look at it closely. Begin to take it seriously. Uh, this will have dramatic effect on your prayer life. Your prayer life is going to change from begging and pleading uh, to God to give you something, to fill a need that you have, to, to walking in maturity to where you see that you are a co-creator with him. All right, just a couple of scripture verses to get us thinking in the right process, and I'm not going to turn there. I'll just, I'll just tell you because we've read them. <clears throat> Hebrews 11.3 says at the end of the verse that everything that you see came from what you don't see. Everything that was created that you see came from what you don't see. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18 says, we do not, we do not look, we do not, donuts, that sounds good. We do not look at the things that are seen. So everything Hebrew says that you see came from what you don't see. And Paul gives us some great advice. He says, we don't look at the things that are seen. So through this series, I would assume that by now you're understanding that you're going to have to look into spirit. You're, you're, you can't look with natural eyes. Both of those, both those verses have to do with moving to the seen, to the visible, from the in, invisible or the unseen. So what I want to do this morning the last part, part six of this little series on You Are a Creator, I want to go over those four connectors with a little bit different slant maybe than I have uh, in the other sessions. And I want, I want to deeply embed them within your spirit, within your psyche, so that you can begin to utilize them. Again, I challenge you to begin to put this to the test. All right, let's establish this. You are the seen, visible, earth, suit, flesh, manifestation, what we call man or woman that houses an unseen spirit. I am not this flesh and blood man. You are not that flesh and blood person. The real you is a spirit that will never die. And that's the dimension we're working in in this. We're working with that part of us that has eternal existence. The spirit within you functions in the kingdom that is within you. The kingdom that is within you contains or has everything that pertains to life and godliness. That's where it's all stored. The real you, the spirit you, is the one that has the ability to reach into the kingdom, to live out of the kingdom, to live out of the resources of the kingdom, and to manifest it so that this visible flesh suit man can enjoy them and live in the abundance that Jesus gave us. You can, here's what I'm saying. You can create out of the kingdom where all things are yours and the connector between the kingdom that is within us and this outward flesh man that has uh, a, a need to create is your spirit. 
your spirit. So we're not going to look at the things that are seen. We're not going to be moved by that. If I have a need, I don't look at the need. I don't focus on the need. I focus on the thing that he has already provided for me that now I'm going to learn to connect and to move, to just move it from the unseen to the seen. That's really what all a miracle is. We call it a miracle. When Jesus did a miracle, all he was doing was taking from what the Father had already given him. Jesus said, the Father's given me all things, placed all things in my hands. All Jesus was doing was moving what was needed from an unseen to a seen, from an invisible to a visible, and he did it by connecting spirit. Jesus used the same connectors that you and I use. Jesus, the flesh man. Jesus, the flesh man who was the Christ. Don, the flesh man who has the mind of Christ, also operates in the same spirit connectors that Jesus operated in. Folks, John said, as he is, so are we in this world. I've been teaching that verse since the early 90s. And the more I teach it, the more depth I see to it. So you are as Jesus was, or as Jesus is, it says, doesn't say was, it says that as he is, so are we. Jesus, the flesh man, utilized spirit connectors, the Christ the Christ, the eternal spirit that Jesus was, you are also. And I want to get into some teachings on that here, not too far down the road, on, on your Christness. On your Christness. Christ, is, Christ simply means anointed, chosen one, anointed one. It's a uh, phrase from the Old Testament. It has to do with oil and smearing it and anointing. We'll get into all of that. That's what Christ means. These connectors that I have given to you, and I've, I've given to them to you several times, and I'm going to emphasize them again this morning. These connectors connect to one another. This is what I have seen. I haven't read this in a book. Uh, I'm not a quantum physics guy, although I just taught in a conference with a, a guy who was deep in quantum physics, and he told me that these four connectors that I'm talking about are the basis of quantum physics. He said they have, they have a strong emphasis in quantum physics. Now, he, he, he might have used a little bit different verbiage, a little bit different terms, but when he did the teaching, he used the terms that I used to show how that science backs what I'm teaching. I'm not a quantum physics guy. Don't claim to be. Have no idea. I, I, I'm, not, I'm just not into that. I'm not into metaphysics. I, didn't, I haven't read this anywhere. haven't watched the YouTube video on this process I'm talking to you about. This is what I have learned. This is what I believe the Spirit of God revealed to me when I had some needs in my physical body, and I've given you that testimony already, so I'm not going to get into that. But let me just say this. We are a co-creator with the Father. I am is co-creating with I am that I am. Jesus said, I don't do anything but what I see the Father do it. Jesus said, the works that I do, the Father does the works. He's the one in me that is doing all the works. So Jesus also recognized, Jesus the man recognized that it was the Father in him that was doing the co-creating, that he and the Father were, were in union and were tied in oneness, in union, and he and the Father accomplished everything that Jesus needed to accomplish. The Father was there when Jesus uh, turned the five loaves and two fish into um, enough to feed a multitude. We call that a miracle. All Jesus did was move provision from the unseen to the seen. When he uh, put mud on the, the blind man's eyes and the man received his sight, that was not... We call that a miracle. Jesus reached into the unseen where that man's perfect eyesight was and brought that into full manifestation. All right, let's continue on here. I'm never going to get done. The Father and the Son and you have 
begun using the same creative process the same way. The Father used this creative process. Jesus used this creative process. This is what I saw as the pattern through the scripture. When I began first to see this, and the, 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 what I saw first was two of these connectors, the first two, and then the other two connectors were added as a, I saw the process unfolding and developing. But the Father and the Son and you begin every creation the same way. It happens the same way. It begins with a thought, a thought. You cannot see a thought. A thought is invisible. These, these four connectors, you cannot see. They're not visible. They're not perceived naturally. You cannot see a thought. It's invisible, and yet you are fully aware of when you're having a thought. You can't prove to me you're having a thought. You might, you might say to me one day, man, I'm really thinking that I would like a cheeseburger and some fries and a chocolate shake for lunch. That sure sounds good. And if I said to you, you're not having that thought. You can't prove to, prove to me you are having a thought right now that you want a cheeseburger, some french fries, and a chocolate shake. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Sunday morning about lunchtime. You can't prove it to me. It's not empirically provable. And yet you know you got the thought. Nobody's going to talk you out of that thought. Nobody's going to tell you you don't have the thought. So the question is, when you begin to create, is this, what do you want? What is the thought? I said that God used the pattern. Jesus used the pattern. So what was the pattern God used? Very beginning, Genesis 1. God said, here's the thought, let us make man. That was the thought of God. Let us make man. How about Jesus? Jesus' thought at the wedding was fill the water pots with water. Fill, fill the wine vessels. Fill the pots with, with water. He didn't say fill it with coffee. He didn't say fill it with uh, Miller Lite. He said fill it with water. That was the thought. And then his imagination went into effect. The, the, those that had the pots began to, to fill them with water. Jesus imagined now that they were full of wine. And he let that grow in his heart. Jesus was highly developed in this, highly developed. So the process could be very speedy. You and I are not that developed yet. We will be. It's coming. But for us, it, the process takes a little more time because of the internal workings of the Spirit of God within us. Um, our, our flesh limits when we're free of this flesh, I think that our creative process throughout eternity is going to um, be in the same rapid motion as the Father's is. The Father's continuing to create. He is, I am that I am, and he creates. I, I understand science says that he is creating still this universe at the speed of light. Think about that. That means he's creating at the rate of 186,000 miles a second. I think that's right, 186,000 miles a second. Or is it 186,000 miles a minute? I don't know, but it's, it's mind staggering. The Father's a fast creator. He's continuing to create. I am and he creates. That's the two great things you can say about him. And we should be able to say that about us. I am that I am and I create. The key we see with the Father and with the Son in the very beginning is that the thought was precise. It was exactly what they desired. Father didn't say in Genesis 1, let me, let, me make, uh, let me make something. I don't know what to call it. No, it was the exact thought. Jesus didn't say, oh, just, you know, I, go fill these up with air. No, it's exact thought. Go fill the water pots with water. Go fill. The thought was exact. Now, Paul said this. 
this is going to blow you away. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, you've read it many times. Paul said this, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, right? Christ, Jesus, divinity, humanity. Right there you see the hypostatic union, the two in one, Christ and Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. The mind should be in you, Christ Mary, Christ Phil, Christ whatever, okay? You, you get, all right, now what was that mind? Now this is mind-blowing. Let this mind be in you. What was the mind? Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, watch, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Now right there, some of you just probably left. <laughs> some of you probably just left. Who thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Can you think on that level of consciousness? Can you let yourself grow to that level of consciousness? Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God. All right, that's the mind that's going to get the thought that can create. It's the mind of Christ that is working in, in you. And this mind is a big mind. It has no limitations, right? So when you think the thought of what you want, what the hope is, that's what the thought is. The thought is the hope. Thought is the hope. Now, if, 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 the, if the thought is not right, what will eventually manifest is what you don't want. So if the thought is not right, get rid of the thought. If you don't want to, if you don't want to create it, if you don't want to manifest it, get rid of it. The thoughts that we have to create should be fed by the mind of Christ. There's one mind. You have one mind, the mind of Christ. So you need to tune into it. Paul said if that thought's contrary to Christ, if it's contrary to what we know about the knowledge of God, he said, cast it down. Give it, don't give it a chance to grow. Don't give it a chance to manifest. Don't give it a chance for it to develop roots. For example, if the thought comes into your mind of, of fear or insecurity or separation, don't, don't receive that. That's not coming from the mind of Christ. Don't let that drop down to the next level. Immediately get rid of that thought. Don't give that, give that thought no place um, because you don't want to produce it. You don't want to harvest that. You don't want to manifest that. So stop thinking about it, right? There's two, there's two, two good sources to get your thoughts from. Uh, what is it? John chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Right? We hear his voice. People tell me all the time, they don't hear his voice. You hear his voice. The voice that he speaks to you is a, is a prime source to get the right thought to create. Then it also says, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We have the mind of Christ, he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. We have it. We possess it, right? We possess the mind of Christ. So we can think the thoughts that the Father has. You and the Father are one. Now listen to me carefully. You and the Father are one. You're in full union together. So the thoughts that the Father thinks are your thoughts. The thoughts that you think, if they're not contrary to him, they're thoughts that have come from him to you that you have every right to create. Every desire, every impulse. If it's not contrary to the knowledge that you have of the Father, then go with it because there's one mind and you have the thoughts. The exception, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, I just got done saying it in so many ways. He says, casting down every thought, every imagination that is contrary to the Father and bring it every thought into submission 
to Christ. Bring it in submission. In other words, take that thought and run it through the Christ filter. If it doesn't pass through, if it doesn't, if it doesn't muster, then get rid of it. Every creation originates in thought. The thought is invisible. You cannot prove to me you have a thought. So automatically, you are a visible being. You're a flesh person. Right now, you're operating in the invisible with thoughts. Thoughts are an invisible, unseen dimension. They are a spirit dimension. It's a connector from what you can't see to what you can see. So make the creative thought specific. What is it exactly that you want? It's not that you just want a new job or a new car. What kind of job do you want? What kind of car would you like to drive? It's, it's the seed. The thought is the seed of what you desire. We, we could say it's the hope. Let's call it hope because I'm going to tie it to faith in a few minutes. It's the hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The, the, the hope of faith is the thought. Faith is having an, uh, uh, an undeniable conviction that what you want or what you see will come to pass. And the, 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 the hope of faith is the thought. See, it's the thought. When God showed Abraham uh, the sands of the sea, the stars of the sky, he put a thought in his mind. That was his hope, that all generations would be blessed in him. All families of the earth would come, come out of him. The thoughts then pass once you've got that thought specific. Now, again, don't rush through this. Don't make this fast. Don't microwave it. Make sure that what you think is really what you desire. And if you don't, if you don't desire it, get rid of the thought. Don't hang on to it. Come on, guys. Don't hang on to it. We've created all kinds of dilemmas and problems for ourselves because we've taken thoughts of fear, insecurity, doubt, and, and we've, we've put those thoughts in our mind and they become very specific of what we're afraid of or what's created insecurity in our life, and it's not good. All right, once the thought is specific, it passes it to the imagination. I love imagination. Imagination has gotten a raw deal as far as I'm concerned. Christians have shied away from imagination. We've not developed our imagination. Imagination is the connector where everything is possible. Man, in my imagination, <clears throat> everything is possible. There's no limits to what the imagination can develop. I personally feel, I can't prove this from scripture, but I personally feel that your imagination is probably the most God-likeness uh, that we possess. Because it, it, you can go to the unlimited dimension in a flat minute, man. You can go to places that your senses have no clue about quickly in your, your imagination. It's probably the place where the divine image of the Father functions the best and the quickest. So the Father's thought was, let's go back to Genesis 1. Father's thought was, let us make man. Specific thought. Then, that's in Genesis 1.26. Then from 26, last part of that 26 verse, down to verse 30, it dropped into the imagination of the father and he developed it, right? He developed it. And he said, okay, let this man have dominion. And let's, he, he just goes through a number of things. And what's, what's God doing? He's showing us a pattern here that he developed the thought with his imagination. He didn't say, well, let us make man. I don't know, you know, we'll just throw him out there and whatever he does, he does. No. He was specific in his design, and the specificity in his design came out of his imagination. The fastest connector to the unlimited is the imagination. You can go there quickly. I love imagination. I love God's imagination filled in all the blanks. 
God's imagination filled in all the spaces of what the thought initiated. And that's the function of the imagination. It's to fill in all the spots that the thought initiates. His imagination enabled him to see the thought he desired. Let us make man. Now he began to paint the picture. The mind of Christ gives thoughts and exercises the imagination. They're both functions of the mind. They're both functions of the mind. The thought and the imagination are functions of the mind. No, when I was when I was seeing all this, when I felt like the Spirit of God was revealing it to me, I knew they were both coming out of the mind, and yet I saw them them operational operationally different. Their function was different. I saw the mind, I saw the imagination. So for me, creating, they're, they're closely related. They, they function out of the same mind, but uh, their function is different. The, the imagination puts flesh on the thought. The imagination paints the picture in full. The imagination draws the creative thought in detail. The, the imagination uh, gives it substance. Imagination exercises emotion. Imagination says, how will I feel when this whole thing comes to pass? I want a new job. I want a job. I'm qualified to be, uh, you know, a financial planner or lawyer, whatever it is. And I want to move up in that. How, how will I feel when I actually have it? See, there's emotion in imagination. There's emotion in imagination. And you want to be, begin to bring that full emotion into the imagination. The thought, the, the, the hope, the desire was planted uh, into the imagination. Now you want the imagination to do an explosive job, an explosive job in making this thing as real as possible. It makes it real. It, it sees it as reality. It sees it, it re um, imagination receives it as now. Now let me tie this up to Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, it is the evidence of things not seen. Faith, simple definition of faith. Faith is the confidence that what you desire will happen. <clears throat> By faith, Abraham, he had ultimate confidence that what God had promised him would happen. The function of focused attention is that thought. Thought hopes. Right? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The two parts that make faith really strong are your thoughts and your imagination. Now listen, don't lose me. The thought is what you hope. The hope part of faith is the thought. Now, imagination gives it substance. Faith is the, faith is the substance of things hoped for, thought. It is the evidence of things not seen, imagination. When thoughts and imagination work together, they build faith. Now, you've heard a lot of teaching on faith. Some of you were in the Word of Faith movement for years. I was, but we never, we never saw, we, just, we, we, we never had a good handle on how to develop faith. I'm telling you this morning how to develop faith. You get a focused thought that is your hope, and you give it substance with your imagination. Those are the two component parts of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. It's the substance of things not seen. Evidence, substance. And that's exactly what thought and imagination does. So the, 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 the creation hinges on the thought and the imagination. Those were the fir first two parts that I saw in this creative process 
when I when I feel like it was being shown me or revealed to me how to how to co-create with the Father, the two parts that I saw immediately were the thoughts and the imaginations. If I could think it and imagine it, I, I could I could bring it into reality. Now the other two parts were added as it as it developed. So all the Father's creation originated in thought. All of the all of the things that Jesus did that we call miracles, they originated in thought. Then they were developed in imagination. Are, are, are you still with me? What is imagination? What is it? Imagination is the ability to form a mental picture that is not perceived by the senses. See, your senses don't, don't put a limit on, on imagination. Imagination is the ability to form a mental picture that is not perceived or limited by your senses. It travels beyond the senses. It moves beyond the senses. So when you exercise your imagination, don't let what you see naturally or feel or hear naturally, don't let that guide your imagination. Now do you see why I said don't be quick to try to rush through this? It takes the imagination a while to develop fully. In your imagination, I'll tell you right now, doubt and fear are going to try to abort to creation. They're going to try to draw a negative picture. They're going to try to make you, your fear and doubt is going to come to you. It's going to make you feel like this can't happen. That's where the warfare is. See, the warfare is in here. Thoughts and imaginations come in here. False fear and insecurities or whatever come in here. They come from outside into your mind and they try to get you to abort the creation, because your senses do not want to lose control of your life. Your senses that are so highly developed, they, they have captivated you. you. Your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions have captivated you. So the Father today, as he brings us illumination on being a co-creator with him, he's helping us to step outside those five physical senses. And I think he's done that by giving us a revelation that as, as visible flesh people, we're already operating in an unseen dimension with our thoughts and with our imagination. So my advice to you is this, if your imagination wanders or tries to fix a picture in your mind of what you don't want, remove it. Remove it immediately. The, the thought that is set in you that is conceived the creation eventually, and the imagination takes that conception and begins to bring it forth. So the, the, the thought sets within you or it conceives the creation. That's what the thought does. It plants the seed. It, it, it conceives it. So the imagination takes the conception and begins to form it. Imagination, let me, let me draw you an illustration. Imagination is like a potter that sits on the wheel and he's forming the pottery. He's forming that clay, exactly what he wants to do. And he keeps shaping it, reshaping it. He may take it off the potter's wheel and, and totally destroy it and start all over again. And sometimes we have to do that with our imaginations. We have to take it off the potter, smash it because it's got insecurity, doubt, fear, unbelief, whatever is trying to abort it. And we need to start over again. But that potter on the wheel, he keeps working it until it's exactly what he wants. He keeps shaping it and molding it until it's perfect. And that's what your imagination needs to do. It needs to keep shaping this picture until it's exactly, it's precisely what you want. And when the desired cre creation has shaped perfectly, when it's formed right, when all of the emotions are part of the creation, then it's passed off to the third connector. And these last two connectors are ones that I began to see 
develop after thought and imagination. But the first two that I had when I was going through some physical challenges was thought and imagination. And I think it's the thought and imagination that actually created the thing that I needed. But then God sophisticated it just a little bit, refined the process, and began to show me number three connector, which is the heart. The heart. The hidden man of the heart. Not, not your blood pumper, but your spirit man, your conscience, your subconsciousness, if, if that's what you want to term it. The heart is the womb. The heart is where it was developed. And I'll tell you exactly how I began to see it. There was a point in time, and this has happened with everything that I have had a thought and imagination is dropped into my heart. There was a time that I could tell you that I knew that I knew that I knew that what my thoughts and imaginations had conceived and developed would come to pass. I just knew it. There was no arguing about it. There was, there was no question about it. This is why we crockpot it. The heart is the womb. The heart is where this creation grows. It develops, it matures. It, it, you know, when a baby's in its mama's womb, it, every month it gets bigger and heavier and it more it, maturity comes out. And when you look at that sonogram, the first time you look at a sonogram, you can't tell what is doctor has to point it out to you. But by the time that baby gets, you know, to the, to the, to the sixth, seventh, eighth month, you can begin to see it because it's developing, it's maturing in there. So the heart man, this inner man, the womb of creation, it, it matures. The heart uh, matures what's been planted in it. And I, I have to say this again, the heart does not have a mind of its own. The heart will grow whatever you put in there. Whatever seed is deposited into the womb will grow. See, the man determines the sex of a child, not the mom. All the mom does is grow in the womb what's been deposited there. And that's what, what your heart does. Whatever has been deposited by your thoughts and your imagination into your heart, it grows. It develops. Do you remember that verse from Mark chapter 11, verse 23? Let me show you how that works. I think I might have quoted this way, way back when. But this, this was a, a real breakthrough verse for me in Mark chapter 11, verse 23. And if you have a word of faith background, you, you read this verse a lot, but I never saw it in light of creation. But watch, Mark 11, 23. For assuredly, I say to you, whosoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. Let me say it again. Does not doubt in his heart. How do you get to where you don't doubt in your heart? You let what you're seeing develop the mountain in this case you want it and, and what he's talking about in verse 23 is he wants to remove the mountain so the thought is the thought is we have a mountain the imagination sees the mountain moved and it looks and sees it move it feels it's moved it sees himself moving the mountain it doesn't necessarily know how it's going to move but he sees it move and the heart grows that and grows it and grows it and believes it and 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 develops it so the verse says, whoever does not doubt in his heart, that's an important step of the process. What I saw is that you have to come to a place when you do not doubt in your heart. And you just can't say, oh, I don't doubt in my heart. I believe this is going to happen. No, there's a time that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know, right? And it's so important. Then it says, doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will be done. He shall have whatever he says. Now I'm going to get to the, to the saying in just a minute. Because just as, as thoughts and imagination coordinate together, 
So, so does the heart and the words. Now just stay with me. Just stay with me. There isn't much about the head in Mark eleven twenty three. It's because the thought has already been developed. So what Mark eleven twenty three is about is developing in the heart and then speaking with the mouth. Again, again, there are attempts to abort the creation. Jesus taught us in Matthew, uh, Mark chapter four, parable of the sower. He said, this is what stops the growth in the heart or the growth in the ground, right? The, the, the heart has no mind of its own. The seed comes in. Jesus said, here's some things that are going to stop the creation. He said, tribulation, which is distress and pressure, right? You feel pressure. That's why I say you can't rush this. Don't get under pressure to create. Give yourself space. Give yourself time. Look way down the road. See, if you're if you're feeling good today, then continue. Your thought should be, I am well. I am I am strong. I am able. See, that's what the thought needs to be. And you then develop that in your heart. How 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 does that look? You know, if you're if you're 60, 70, 80 years old, whatever, and you, you feel good, then stay feeling good and getting your imagination, how that how that is perceived, what that looks like when you're 90 and you're still able to go out and jog a mile or do whatever, whatever physical activity you want to do. Don't don't get under pressure. He said that tribulation which is distress and pressure. He said persecution, which is outside pushback, usually from people that try to talk you out of it. That's why you don't blab your creation. You don't have to tell anybody what you're doing. Pushback from people. He said cares of the world, which are distractions. You get pulled off and you, your focused attention goes on other things. And he said the desire of other things. He said that's what stops. So the desire for other things moves your, moves your focus. It stops your focused attention. So we've got tribulation, persecution, cares of the world, and the desire for other things. Those all come in to try to abort out of your heart. That's what Jesus was talking about in Mark 4. Things that will abort the heart. The heart holds the imagination and it crockpots. It lets it mature. It takes its time. It grows the baby to full term. Let that imagination grow to full term. Wisest man that ever lived says, guard your heart with all diligence because out of your heart flows the issues of life, the limits, the boundaries, the parameters, which the imagination has, has, has planted. The heart sets the parameters. The heart sets the limitations by how much it matures it, how much it allows it to grow. The heart carries the baby of imagination. You are impregnated by imagination until the time of birth. Then at Mark eleven twenty three, when the heart does not doubt, then the mouth speaks. Now, don't be running your mouth until your heart is convinced. Keep your words to yourself. Words. Words come from the overflow of what the heart has carried to full term, and then the mouth gives utterance to it. Uh, Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34. Let, let me read that. Matthew chapter 12. I was just going to quote it for you, but I might get the words in the wrong sequence. So let me let me just read it for you. I, I know what it says, but let me, let me get it exactly right because I want it to impact you. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34. He said, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever you have grown in your heart, 
that was deposited there by imagination, that originated with a thought. Whatever is grown in that heart in abundance, the mouth will speak it. It's word, Words are like that. Vision this. A can of Coca-Cola that you shake up for maybe 10, 15 seconds. You just shake that can of Coke, right? That's your heart. It's growing it. It's maturing it. And then at some point, when you pop that top on the Coke, the Coke explodes out, right? That's how words are. Words are the release of the can of Coke that you shake and pop the top. It's a natural happening. The, 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 the words, you cannot see words. Words, and I taught you in one lesson, words are important because they kind of bring this thing into a frequency now. It, 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 this creation is beginning to make an entrance into a realm of, of consciousness that's outward. It's not, not just invisible. Words you can hear, it's a vibration, it's a frequency. So, but the words are just a natural outburst of what is in the heart. And that's what I want you to get out of this. Let it grow in your heart. Let it grow to full maturity. Don't start blabbing and speaking and telling people, I'm going to own a business. I'm going to own a car dealership. I'm going to have a restaurant. And here's what it's going to look like and explain. They're going to go, man, you ain't going to add nothing. You haven't done nothing in your life. What makes you think you're going to do that? See, you don't need that. That's why the words are important, that it comes out of the abundance of the heart. Words come, and this is what I saw when it was developing within me. Words come when you know that you know that you know, then you can speak. But I still wouldn't speak it to people. The creative word that is spoken in power is the result of the first three having done their part. If you want the word you speak to have power, then the thought has got to be developed precisely. The imagination has got to paint it exactly like you want it, full emotion. The heart has got to grow it to absolute maturity. And then out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now listen very carefully. You don't have to speak words to other people. I did, when we, when we went through the words and I just took that one week and talked about words entirely. I took you over to Psalm chapter one, and verse one uh, through verse three. And it talks about meditation in that, in that first uh, chapter of Psalms. And it says, uh, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, sits in the seat of the scornful. His delight is in the word of the Lord that comes to him. And, and in his word, does he meditate day and night? See that thought, that thought he's meditating, he's growing it, he's painting the imagination of it. Now I've lined these out in perfect sequence. But what you're going to find in reality and practicality is that you continue to, to refine all four. In other words, I don't want you to just go, okay, the thought is done. I'm all done thinking about it. Imagination, I'm all done imagining it, painting it perfectly. I'm, the heart is growing. There's no more I can do. No, it, after a while, you, you continue this whole process. of it, it gets very refined. And in his word, does he meditate? I told you that word meditate is an important word. I discovered it. I didn't know this. It really literally means talking to yourself, talking to yourself. So the words that you want to speak that are really powerful and effective are words that you speak to yourself. I speak to myself all the time. When, I, when I'm doing a teaching, I'm laying out a teaching. I'm like, I'm like speaking the teaching. I'm making notes. I'm looking at scripture and I'm talking to myself. I preach this thing to me. I'll bet you 15 times during the week as it comes from thought. See, every message that I teach you, I've created. And to be honest with you, it comes through this process. Starts with a thought, 
imagination. I begin to paint the full picture of what I want to teach. I let it grow in my heart where I pick up scriptures and ideas and revelation. And then I, sp I speak to myself about it. I'm a, I, I teach myself this lesson numerous times. You only hear it one time and you probably don't go back and listen to it again. The reason it's entrenched in me is because I speak it to me all week long. I speak it to me all week long. I teach me all week long. And in teaching me, you know what it does? It enforces it in my heart. It, it, it makes me more convinced of it. And that's what speaking to yourself will do. It will make you more convinced of it. I think I use the illustration to get in an argument with your boss. You know, boss gets the last word. But when you get back to your desk or back to your machine, whatever it is that you do for a living, you think about that argument that you just had with your boss and you start to speak. You said, blah, 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 blah. boy, if I would have said this, if I would have only thought of that, I would have said it was stopped him in his tracks. And the more you speak to you, you speak to yourself all the time. The more you speak to yourself, the more convinced you are how right you were in that little confrontation you had with your boss. And you're convinced in your heart. Nobody's ever going to talk you out of it, right? Now, that's kind of a negative illustration, but I think that you can see the power in speaking to yourself. Meditate, speak to yourself, self-talk out of the heart is powerful, 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 I will tell you. And that's the last part that I saw when I was developing, uh, I think, my revelation, what I've been teaching you. I, I was speaking it to myself. I said, I know, I know that my heart's going to be fine. My heart functions to the perfection that God created it to function, and there's no malfunction in my heart. Now, when I was imagining it, I said, my heart functions to the perfection that God created to function, and I forbid any malfunction. I was in, I was imagining there will be no malfunction. When it got into my heart and it grew, the words that came out of my mouth were this. I know there is no malfunction. I know my heart functions perfectly to the perfection that God created to function, and there is absolutely no malfunction in my heart. I'll tell you right now, there is none. I'm con I, I knew it. I knew it because my heart was convinced of it. And then my mouth spoke it. And the more that I heard myself speaking it, the more convinced I became of it, which, which strengthened my heart's position, which cheered the imagination on to continue to paint it strong and that the, that the thought I had would remain focused and I wouldn't come off of it. See, it's important that you don't jump off board on any of these, no matter which phase you're in. I've kind of lined this out as a process, and I'm, I'm leery about doing that because I'm not into formulas. I'm not into steps. I want you to see this whole thing as a process, as a creative process. It's, it's a function that you have as a manifesting son of God. As Jesus manifested it, you have every right and privilege as a joint heir with Jesus, an heir of God, to take this process and begin to build and construct the life that you want. That's going to stop you from Jesus never was begging and pleading for God to come help him, to give him what he needed. He never did that. Why do we do that? Because that's what's been handed down to us by religion, and it's a crock of baloney. That's being plight. It's a crock. It really is. He has given us the ability to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think comes into the imagination, right? He's co-creating with you. I want you to see that. All right, so let me review real quick. We're going we're gonna to land this plane. Let me, let me review. Thoughts and imaginations walk together. They're, they're joined at the hip. They're, they're joined together to conceive and to develop fully what it is that you desire. All right, then the heart and the words work together 
to mature and to release it into the seen dimension, what it is that you desire to create. Now, how it comes into manifestation, I cannot explain to you. How it, That's the father's part. The timing is the father's part. Even a, even a mama that's pregnant with a baby cannot tell you what day the baby's going to be born. The doctor can't tell you what day. It's up to God. It's up to the father when that creation comes forth from the mother's womb. I can't tell you when it's going to come forth out of the womb of your heart. I, ca I cannot tell you that. I will tell you this. It will come. It will come. It will come to pass. You are a creator. And you have been creating. All this series has tried to do is to get you to create after the pattern and the image and likeness that God has planted within you to be like him. Now you become consciously aware of how it develops. You've done this all your life. Some of it has not been healthy, but you've done this all your life. So the question is, what is it that you desire? What is it you really want? Specific. That's the job of thoughts and imagination. How will you feel? When it arrives, how, how excited will you be? That's the job of the heart and the words. So we've got thoughts, imagination, hearts, and words. Try it. Try it. Put it to the test. Begin to work with it. I challenge you to do this. I'm seeing it work in my life. I'm hearing it working in the lives of others. Just don't get all uptight. Don't get nervous about it. Just begin to explore it. We're going to continue to teach on this. There's a lot more insight. I, I'd like to do a whole series on imagination because that is such a powerful force that I have an unhinged 10% in this teaching. But it's time that we begin to explore it. Fair enough? All right, next week we'll continue on with another teaching here at the Digital Cathedral. Like I said, we'll continue to revisit this. We're not done with this by a long shot because this is part of an important thing that's happening today in the manifestation of the sons of God. Thank you, everyone, for being with me, staying with me, hanging in there with me. We're making a wonderful journey together. I'm so excited about what God's doing in the earth. I'm so excited about what God's doing in my life and your life. Um, we are the body of Christ, and we're fully manifesting, even fuller than we ever envisioned. Thank you so much. See you Wednesday night at Secret Place. Back next week, Sunday morning, same time, 10 a.m. Central, right here at the Digital Cathedral. You don't want to miss one week. You miss one week, you're behind schedule. See you then. God bless.